welcome to the ADHD Untangled podcast. My name is Rosie and I have ADHD. And like many other ADHDers, the majority of my life has felt chaotic to say the very least, due to what I describe as having a tangled brain. Let's get untangled and show the world what we are made of. Trigger warning. The Untangled podcast does cover some sensitive topics that could be triggering to some. So please be sure to read the full description before listening in. Please note that the majority of the guests on the Untangled podcast do have ADHD, including myself, which means we will interrupt each other, forget what we're saying and go off topic. Hello, Untanglers, and welcome back to another episode of ADHD Untangled with me, your host, Rosie Turner. Now, I cannot believe what I am about to say because this is the last interview in season two. And the person that I've interviewed is someone who would be on my dream dinner guest list. This person is a huge inspiration and reasoning behind starting the ADHD Untangled podcast. Today's guest is the one and only Dr. Ned Halliwell. Yes, can you believe it? Dr. Ned Halliwell is on the ADHD Untangled podcast. Now, this guy has got four decades in child psychiatry. He is a world leader on ADHD. And his true mission is to inspire those with ADHD and support those with ADHD through his strength-based approach and turn their struggles into strengths and enable our community to thrive. Dr. Ned Halliwell has ADHD and dyslexia, yet he has written over 20 books. The books he has written on ADHD are Driven by Distraction, ADHD 2.0 and his newest edition is ADHD Explained and his books have enabled me to view my own ADHD as more of an asset once treated than a hindrance. This guy has changed my life and many others. I want to share with you all that despite putting myself out there in the community, doing this podcast and being a coach, I still have so many moments where I doubt myself and I overthink, I experience RSD, and I sometimes procrastinate on the things I want to do that are meaningful to me out of fear. Having Dr. Ned Halliwell come on to the ADHD Untangled podcast really helped me realise that I am capable and that we can achieve whatever we put our mind to. I received an email from Dr. Ned Halliwell before the show began after I sent my questions over. And the email said, I love these questions. These people must be so smart. Now, I kid you not, I have spent the majority of my life believing I'm not smart. I've always believed I'm scatty, I'm ditzy, and I can't achieve anything valuable. And these thoughts don't just disappear because you get a diagnosis, but you start to work with them, right? And you start to reframe them. And when I received that email, it truly meant so, so much to me that after all the relationships I'd been in, after all the teachers that had said that I wasn't intelligent enough and I wasn't doing enough, to hear a world leader on ADHD, a doctor who's so respected in the field and so intelligent, say that he thought I was smart, meant so much to me and proved to me 
that we give ourselves such a hard time and that we really do need to believe in what we are capable of. The point in sharing that story is please remember that you are enough. Try your best to let go of those old beliefs that you aren't because you are and you can achieve and go out and show the world what you are made of and what you are capable of. Please use this episode to inspire yourself and empower yourself to step forward into this world with confidence in who you are, letting go of who you are not. And before we get on to the interview, I want to share a poem that Dr. Ned Hallowell wrote for his daughter. No brain is the same and no brain is the best. And each brain finds its own special way. Let's get untangled and show the world what we are made of. And not only that, we have a special gift from Dr. Ned Hallowell. He's offering any untanglers who sign up for his 90-day program the opportunity to gain access for 12 months for the same price. Now, the Hallowell Brain Health Program is incredible. It has a full series of ADHD assessments. It has stress and anxiety assessments that can help internally recognize and assess anxiety, stress, trauma and PTSD. You get daily ADHD coaching tips from Dr. Hallowell himself and a customized cerebellum stimulation program from my lovely friends at Zinger Health Performance. And not only that, you get some self-EMDR sessions. Now, I have done some EMDR sessions myself and they have been incredible. I cannot promote this program enough. It is full of everything you need to turn your ADHD struggles into strengths. So check out the link. It's going to be in my link tree on my Instagram bio and also in the notes of this episode. Dr. Ned Halliwell, thank you so much for being here. And could you please start off by introducing yourself, who you are, and what your life's mission is? My name is Ned Halliwell. It's actually Edward Halliwell, but I'm called Ned. I'm 73 years old. I have three children. Lucy is 34, Jack is 31, and Tucker is 28. And my wife of 36 years is Sue. And that's probably the most important things to know about me. My goal, my life's mission, I conceived of way back when I was an adolescent, and it was to create the happy family I didn't have. I came from a pretty chaotic family. And so I said, I want to do it better. I want to, I want to, you know, and, and honestly, I can, and my kids would agree, They've had an ideal childhood. I think we can say they're out of childhood now at at their age, but uh, I still think of them as my kids, and and they are. And and and, but that was that was my mission. And thanks to Sue and the grace of God, we've done it. You know, it's it's an amazing thing because people with my history, just so you know, there's a measure called the the Aces scale, adverse childhood events. Ever heard of that? No, I haven't. Okay, well, it's a good thing to know about ACEs because it's the most reliable, well-documented scale for assessing how severe childhood trauma is. And and there's 10 items on the scale. 
like divorce or abuse. And if you have a score of four or more, four or more of the 10 items, your chances of living anything like a good life are very, very slim. My score is eight. It's miraculous that I'm sitting here talking to you. And I think I know exactly why I am. But the message that your listeners should take is that even against incredible odds, you can not only survive, but thrive. Yeah. I've written 24 books. I have more friends than I can count. I've, you know, got a, it's just a, a one, and I'm still going strong. I'm trying to grow a business. I'm not very good at that, but I'm trying. And, you know, maybe John is going to help me, I hope. And and the basic mission has, has been accomplished. And now the rest is gravy. <laughs> yeah, that's such a wonderful story of struggle to strength, which I was saying to you before is what this is all about and giving people hope and inspiration that, like you said, they won't just survive, but you can thrive no matter where your start in life is. And, and the, the key element is, and you know, because people say it's a miracle and whatnot, statistically, it, it may be a miracle, but I know how why it happened because I lived it, I continue to live it. it. It's the power of connection. It's the power of, you know, the feeling a deep connection with, and then you fill in the blank. There's so mm-hmm. many Connection, connection to nature, connection to a dog, connection to a friend, connection to God, connection to the arts, connection to a a sports team, connection to um, a restaurant. I mean, you know, wherever you feel emotionally involved and known and, you know, so it's a resonating circuit. It's not just a you're not just attending it. You're involved in it. That is the key to pretty much everything good in life. Sadly, a lot of people don't have that. They have no. the they have disconnection, and ADHD can can foster disconnection. And so, you know, the good news is if you if you create connection, you can turn the tide completely. The bad news is there are a lot of people who don't even know that that's that's the way to do it. They don't even know they have haven't heard of it. This is such good news. It's like ADHD. It's good news that nobody's heard of. This really is the keys to the kingdom, you know, and and um, and the beauty of connection is it's free, yeah, and, and it's infinite in supply, and, and it's fun. Not many things are free, fun, uh, infinite in supply, and good for you. So I continue to tout the importance of that, and you know, it certainly is part of an ADD regimen connection. But it's not just for people with ADD; it's it's everybody. You boil it down at, at its essence, it's love, you know, and where you find love, you, you find health, you find good things happening. And, and where you find no love, you find bad things happening. And when you get, you know, a client come to see you, is that the first thing that you look for? Is that where is their connection? Where is their love? Is that the first thing you will? Absolutely. I mean, for? it's just reflexive. I don't even have to note it down. I, I just, I can... We'll just start talking. Well, we talk about their connections. Yeah. Connections to their childhood, connections to their goals. What's their connection to future? What are their friendships like? What is their marriage like? What is their boss like? I mean, it's, it's that the whole interview is about connection. Yeah. Uh, and, and and that's where that's where the heat is. That's where the action is. And that's where that's what people want to talk about. Sadly, at least in, in the United States. Medicine has put these big barriers between the patient and the doctor. So the patient is, spe- is spending all the time filling out forms 
and the doctor is spending all his time doing the same thing. And so these really important matters of connection almost don't get talked about. There, there are people who, who literally say, because I ask them, they have never spent more than a minute talking to their doctor. So they're talking to ancillary personnel, they're, uh, they're filling out forms, they're getting tests. But good news is, it doesn't have to be that way. The beauty of this country and your country is we're free, you know, and, and I, we take it for granted, but it, you shouldn't take it for granted. And with freedom comes big responsibilities. But we are allowed to, you know, start a business. In many countries, you couldn't do that. Yeah. Uh, we, we get to do that. And the ADD people, by the way, are the people who lead the way. But most entrepreneurs have ADD, you know. Yeah. It's just the and, – and so we're the ones who, who make new things. Whoever invented the wheel definitely had ADD. You know? <laughs> 100%. <laughs> would you say that – because I always talk about finding meaning in your life. Would you say that's the same thing, the connection is making life meaningful? Oh, you? yeah, absolutely. I mean, what is meaning? Uh, you know, what, what meaning, you know, it, 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 it's a feeling that your life matters. Yeah. And that means that you're impacting other people or a cause, the environment, or pushing the boundaries of science, you know, and, and winning a Nobel Prize. It, 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 but it's about connecting and resonating with, with whatever it is. That's what meaning is all about. You know, when you feel engaged and involved, you don't have to ask what's the meaning of life because you know it. When I started having children, I, I realized I never have to ask the meaning of life ever again. All I have to do is look in my children's eyes. Yeah. And, and there it is right there, sparkling back at me. You know? <laughs> That's and, so and, wonderful. Yeah. And I just, I think we need to play that tune more often. We need to create harmonious environments. Yeah. And instead, we have these, at least in the U.S., we have so many contentious, angry environments that, um, uh, and that's just a shame. It's like uh, going to a banquet and instead eating garbage, you know, I mean, why not, why not eat the good stuff? Exactly. So, so many people don't, they just spend their day angry and feeling gypped and feeling ripped off and complaining about whatever they're complaining about. Mm. And, but the ADD folks, you know, we're the innovators. We're the ones who can change that because we, A, we have the, the courage to do it, and B, we can't stop ourselves. No. <laughs> can't stop, won't stop, is what I say. <laughs> but I think just ending on this point is that's what I think so wonderful about the ADHD community that I found here especially is those that have been late diagnosed, we have created a community that are so connected for all these people that felt so alone and they may never have met each other, but they feel so connected now, so understood. And that has been one of the biggest blessings for them from their diagnosis, despite not, treatment not or anything. Of, not one of, it's, it, I'm sure it's the biggest blessing because, yeah. you know, when that happens, these folks, I don't know them personally, but I'll bet you anything if you polled them, until they joined your group, they felt on the outside. They felt alienated. They felt marginalized. They felt misunderstood. Mm -hmm. They were kind of lackluster. But then when they get into this group and they feel they suddenly realize there's other people like them, and suddenly the alone aloneness breaks down and, and this force of connection starts building up. 
And it's it's very contagious, and they're passing it. Next thing you know, they're engaged, and they're doing good things, and yeah, smile on their face instead of a scowl. So you exactly. you you think of yourself as the Pied Piper. You're uh, leading them all to a better life. And mm. what I love is that it's so available. You know, you don't have to pass an exam. You don't have to have a super high IQ. You don't have to come from money. You don't have to pass some aristocracy test or have blue blood or anything like that. All you have to have is a desire to do it and an open yeah. heart. And, exactly. And, uh, and, and get past fear. Fear is what holds too many people back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The perfectionism, the fear, and then the procrastination comes. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. But after 9-11, I was asked to go on TV several times to give advice, and I didn't know what to advise. Uh, so I asked my daughter. She was 13 years uh, 13 years old at the time. I said, Lucy, I, I don't know what to say. What, what should I say? And she said, oh, Daddy, tell people don't hold back on life out of fear. Oh, I love that. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. A 13-year-old. Oh, to know that at that age. Yeah, so many people were holding back on life out of fear, you know, and, and you know, what we've been terrorized and she just came to her immediately. Yeah. And, you know, just, um, you know, the, so we put our heads together. Again, so much good comes from connecting, you know, and, and mm. uh, whether it's one of your children or a friend or a line you read in a book somewhere and and um it's it's there for the taking exactly. and that's not to say depression doesn't hit depression can absolutely render you immobile mm -hmm. but you can get help you see i mean the, the the treatment for depression used to be throughout history cheer up and if you didn't you might get burned at the stake because they think you were a witch you're a bummer you're a downer it was not recognized as a disease, which it is. Yeah. Uh, if you get treatment, then your depression will end. Like ADD, I mean, I, I I, don't know where you guys stand. You know, I just came out with a book over there. It's called ADHD Explained. Yes, I have been listening to it all of this week. It's amazing. Oh, oh, I am loving it so much. Oh, oh good. It's, it's a picture book. It's got bullets and it's short. You know, it's ADD. Yeah. The first time I've ever done a book like that. Oh, it's incredible. And that's the thing, because it's short, because I've read all your books on ADHD. But what yeah, I love about really? this. Wow, that's great. Yeah, that's I loved them. It was the first books I've ever read on ADHD was your ADHD 2.0, which really? I'm really glad that I did, because I think because I started with your book, it gave me a whole different outlook on my diagnosis from the beginning. I'm, um, glad, you, I'm glad you did that, because it also 2.0 is very short. Yeah, it's, it's, it's my shortest book. I finally understood my audience. <laughs> you learned to cut it down. <laughs> Let's move on to that because there's some stuff from the book that I'd love my audience. And if they haven't read your books, which I really, really encourage every single client I see and everyone that listens to this podcast to read your stuff. But I'd like to start with talking about the ADHD and the demon I've put here. So... Basically, the reason why I wanted to start with this is because every single client that I see comes in for coaching and myself, I think the biggest struggle we see in our community is our tendency to have that stronger negative bias. And I think because of the years of being undiagnosed, there's that self-doubt, lack of confidence. And I think that's the most detrimental thing to our community because with that much heaviness and that inability to see how amazing they are 
they really struggle to take steps forward into pursuing their dreams or, you know, finding love or whatever it is that they really, truly desire. Now, learning the science behind this from your books really enabled me to understand how my brain works, which ultimately, once we understand, we can start to work with our brain. So I'd love for you to explain to our listeners, what is the demon and how do we work with it? Well, it's fresh out of recent neuroscience. And a lot of it was done up here in the, in the Boston area at MIT by a guy named Gabrielli. And it was using fMRI, which is, you know, you can observe the, the brain as it's doing its thing. And what they found out, among other things, was there's a connectome, four different regions of the brain. The way of naming it as an entity is the word connectome. So these four regions, and they light up when you're engaged in doing something creative, making mm-hmm. a cake, building a house, negotiating a deal. The TPN, the task positive network, lights up. And, and that's when you're absolutely at your best. You're focused, you're you're involved, you're engaged, you, you know, that that's the, the dream state that you want to be in. Hmm. Well, when the project is done, when the cake is baked, the TPN shuts down, goes hmm. dark. And the old notion was the brain takes a rest. Nothing could be further from the truth. The brain becomes more active wow. after the TPN shuts down. And what happens in most people uh, the default mode network lights up, which I call the demon, the DMN. The reason I call it that is, is in those of us with ADD, the demon, which is the site of your, the seat of your imagination, and our greatest gift is our worst curse. It's our imagination. Yeah. So w- what happens when the demon lights up in us, we get this steady stream of horrible self-attack. You're stupid, you're boring, you're ugly, you're nothing's going to work out for you, you're the terrible things are going to happen. How did you ever do that? Why did you embarrass yourself? What made you think you could possibly do that? You're just a fool, an idiot, you're pathetic, you 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 just and this is you. This is coming from you. It's not yeah. anything anyone said to you. You you lacerate, you lambaste yourself. And the reason you keep doing it is it's stimulating. See, that's we always are looking for stimulation. We cannot tolerate lack of stimulation, i.e. boredom. We've yeah. got to make something happen. Well, being attacked is very engaging. You know, so it's ironic and too bad. Contentment is too bland. You don't say she was riveted in contentment. No. But you do say she was riveted in misery, fear, gloom and doom, you know, pain and all that. That's very captivating. Without knowing that we're doing it because we, quote unquote, like it, we voluntarily submit to this torture. Most people with ADD, when I explain this to them, it's such a sigh of relief because they've yeah. been trying to get it through psychoanalytic principles in their relationship with their mother or their, you know, and all that stuff matters. Believe me, I've I've been through psychoanalysis and I have great respect for it. But when it comes to dealing with the demon, you don't want to analyze it because it's it's sticky. It'll just grip you and hold you. What you need to do is change the station. You need to switch your attention to something totally different. So do a burst of exercise or turn on loud music or uh, do a crossword, or call up a friend, but have a heated conversation, you know, do something that completely changes the channel in your mind. Because 
Because once you withdraw your attention from the DMN, it goes dark. It can't survive a second without your attention. The way to deal with it is so obvious, but it's not easy. No. It's very hard to switch away from it because it's very sticky. It wants to hold you. And, you know, you better not forget what you did because you're you're going to do it again and ruin your life. And we're all together too ready to believe terrible things might happen. And so we're we're on guard and we're we're trying to stave off, you know, 17 disasters all at once. Then, mm-hmm. you know, we're we're like running around putting our fingers in the dike. We can't ever rest easy and just say life is great. Rare can we ever do that. But when you understand the DMN, the demon, and how to manage it, you can do so much better. And by the way, medication doesn't touch it. The antidepressants, wow. the stimulants, they don't touch it. What you what you gotta learn to do is is switch the channel, redirect your attention. It's like driving by a big accident on the side of the road. Instead of looking at the accident, look at the field on the opposite opposite side. Well, it's hard to do because the accident is very stimulating and the field is not. But Mm. you'll feel much better if you look at the field than if you look at the crash with people dying in it. It's a very basic principle. We are slave to stimulation unless we take care not to be. It's the root of uh, addiction. It's the root of uh, bad choices we make. I've been at this long enough that I can make the generalization. The pattern that I fear for adults with ADD in romance is as follows. People with ADD fall for train wrecks. Mm. For some reason, they they fall for train wrecks. And and the reason, I, I think I know the reason. Number one, stimulation. Train wrecks are exciting, you know, suicide attempts and drama. And and number two, we're born saviors. We want to rescue people. So you put those two together, the stimulation of the train wreck, and then the desire to save people. And that makes, there we are. Excitement for our brains. But you you want to break that habit because leave the saving to the people who are licensed to do that, you know, and, and Mm-hmm. try to find someone who, who's not a train wreck to, to fall in love with. Yes, and that's actually one of my questions after. But I want to just highlight as well for the listeners that what is so amazing about what you've just said is in those moments of rumination and catastrophizing, you often feel like you are out of control of that situation. And even just having that awareness that that is what is happening is, well, you can't do it without the awareness, to be honest, is step one, isn't it? And to realise that you have control over that situation. Yes, it's hard. It's addictive. We love drama. Like It's even, you know, why do people love soap operas and horror films so much? Because their brains love the stimulation of something bad happening. But just to have that realisation that people are in control of that is already powerful in itself. It's huge. huge. You know, it says instead of being the victim of circumstance, you can master circumstance. Mm. And that, that's a whole 180 degree turn. Yeah. Instead of, instead of in the DMN just saying, I've got to stave off all these many, many dangers. Say, no, I don't have to do that. I can go ride yeah. my bike or, you know, you, you, you don't have to be on guard 24-7. No. 
yeah, not today, not today, demon. When we're, we're not, we're not yeah. going there. Exactly. I want to ask you: Do you still have moments where you ruminate? And if so, what is your way of pulling yourself out of that? Oh, oh I, I do. You know, I'm subject to the demon just like anyone else, but I know how to manage it. I the station. Sometimes, literally, I'm watching TV and I'll turn the station. You know, and <laughs> yeah. Other times, I'll, I'll go to the kitchen and cook something, or uh, other times I'll call up a friend. Mm. You know, so there is deliberate, simple little things that I can do. But yeah, my imagination—I've got a colossal imagination, and when it's not creating something of value, it's trying to destroy me. Mm. But, you know, I've I've learned how to beat it at its own games. <laughs> yeah, you're <Yeah>. winning. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Untanglers. My name is Rosie Turner and I am the host of the ADHD Untangled podcast and I'm also an ADHD coach. I spent most of my life asking myself, what the hell is wrong with you? Struggling with the simple things in life that others could seem to grasp so easily and never understanding why I often felt like I was never able to reach my full potential and constantly fighting between who I thought I had to be in this world whilst having a deeper knowing that my life wasn't representing who I really was. I suffered badly, depressed, lost, confused and tangled. If you are ready to change your story and start working with your ADHD brain instead of against it, head over to my Instagram, ADHD underscore untangled or my website, untangledco.com, to book your free discovery coaching call with me now. Let's get untangled and show the world what we are made of. Following on from what you were talking about, the train wrecks, because I saw that on your Instagram. I reposted it and I don't think I've ever had so much interaction from a post in my entire time of doing this. Everyone was like, oh my God, this is so relatable. What I want to know is you believe love conquers all, as you mentioned. And when you've said, don't find the train wrecks and don't be the saviour, and I think that not being the saviour is so important and something I learned to actually channel that into my work instead of my relationships. <laughs> what would you say are the things that an ADHD should look out for when I'm single, I'm going to go out dating, hopefully at some point when I get a day off? What are the things that we should be looking for? What do you see as being a good relationship for someone that's got ADHD? Well, someone who grabs your attention. There's got to be stimulation. Mm. someone who grabs your attention, but then you want to reflect and think, why did they grab my attention? Yeah. And and if it's because there, there's a lot of psychodrama of pain and misery, you might reconsider. You might look at someone's background. Now, if you looked at my background, you'd say, don't go out with him because <laughs> that was very <laughs> effed up. You know, so you, you can't rely on that, but it's, it's an indicator. Above all, your internal... So you, do you like the cut of her jib? I say her because I'm male, but there's a mystery to what makes us fall in love. And it's a beautiful mystery. And, mm. and thank goodness we can't analyze it. You want to trust your heart, but submit it to review by, with somebody else who knows you. Because love is blind. Uh, you, you really can fall in love with a donkey, you know, if, if you're not careful. But don't give up. I mean, a lot of people with ADD, because... They've been hurt so many times. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, working with, I'm working with a woman right now who, who was really effed over three times by a man. Wow. But she's found love. And, and she? So yes, 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 yes. 
it took a while for my telling her to get back on the horse and then you know and she said i'm done with men I, I can't ever trust anyone again and you know she had to you know get that out of her system because you, you know if you've been badly hurt you don't want to get hurt again no but if that means your solution is to withdraw from life then it's not good i mean you know it, it it's better to have loved and lost than never loved at all, you know, and that's where having friends is so important, or a therapist or whatever, you you can bring the the story to them. And they can say, you know, guys, a jerk, you know, the hell with him, don't worry about it. You know, you get a pep talk, you get charged up again. and, and, uh, And just, you know, be willing to listen to your friends if, if he's an obvious jerk. And it's usually not subtle. You know, these, <laughs> not subtle. Your friends can see it. You can't because you're enamored with uh, the way he looks or some, the way he sings or the way he walks. Who knows what it is? But so you, you've you been blinded by your crush on him, but uh, your friends can see it. The guy is a, is a sleazebag and they're trying to protect you. So it's that imagination again when you think about it, isn't it? Because yes. we make them up probably to be something that they're not. But also on the flip side, we could do that in a negative way about someone as well, couldn't we? And we just... Absolutely. And you, <laughs> you're so smart. You're so right. Our greatest asset becomes our worst enemy. Yeah. We have this amazing imagination and we can create wonder and we can create absolute despair and misery. And so you want to learn how to manage your imagination. You never want to control it to the point you shut off. It's feeding you with novelty. You know, you you want to be surprised by Mm -hmm. your mind. And a lot of people just bring that out of their system. Well, that's what sets us apart is our imagination. I mean, what we can do that other people can't do. So true. It's hard for us to believe that because, you know, when you meet someone with no imagination, it, at first you think, how is that possible? Yeah. You know, because we've never been like that. No. You know, how can this person be so vacant? You know, and, and it's just they they don't have the neurons, but they've got neurons where they actually like paying their taxes or they actually like filling out forms. And, and you know, and they do. I, I know people like that. They get a charge out of out of bureaucracy. Because they love control. And every time they fill out a form, they feel a sense of control. Whereas I feel a sense of nausea when I fill out. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Even the thought of it, I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> another day. <laughs> so I want to move on to the second part of Love Conquers All, which is a part that is your work. So finding something you love to do, which I believe before my ADHD diagnosis was why I was so deeply unhappy because there was that something that I just couldn't find that I love to do. And you talk about finding the right kind of difficult when it comes to finding the work we love. Now, the question I have around this and something I often ask myself is I'm all about finding many challenging and difficult problems to solve, which is what life's all about, right? What problems are you going to solve? What is meaningful for you? But having ADHD, what can tend to happen is I can take on too much of these difficult, challenging problems that I find really fun and meaningful and can burn out at times. How do we know the difference between the right kind of difficult and then it being way too much and it's going to overwhelm us? Where a friend, a therapist, a guide can help you a lot. One of my first rules of life is never worry alone. Mm. Never plan your life alone. I mean, ultimately, you make the decision, but 
if you have a few people that you go to, you know, when you're thinking about stuff, they can pull you back from making terrible mistakes. Yeah. Uh, and one of the mistakes we're notorious for is we become victims of our own enthusiasm. We want to do it all. We go to the yeah. buffet and we want some of everything. Well, you pay plate is piled so high, you can't possibly eat it all. And <laughs> if you try, you'll get sick. It's very hard for you to hold back. You're just carried away with enthusiasm. In my life, I can't tell you how many women I asked to marry me on the first date. Because I said, we're having fun. Well, let's make it last, you know. And <laughs> fortunately, they all, they all said no. But, you know. <laughs> oh, God. After the first date. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's all born out of enthusiasm. We have this childlike enthusiasm. We were mm. just jumping for joy. Yeah. And there's a little four-year-old boy inside of me that's still jumping for joy. And I get hurt. I, I've been taken advantage of many times. I've been uh, made to look like a fool many times. John McGuire is the first partner I've had who who isn't taking advantage of me. And I'm really counting on, you know, the last time will be the best time. But we, I'm a babe in the woods. I'm easy. I'm shooting fish in a barrel. Mm. And because I just I just don't think of people's nefarious motives. No. But you need to watch out. Have have a friend who's a who's a died in the wool cynic mm-hmm. who'll find the bad part of everybody. And then <laughs> yeah, and, and listen, hear her out before you yeah. and just realize your natural way is to be enthusiastic. Mm-hmm. Your natural way is to find the good. And to sample some of everything on the buffet table, just don't sample it all at once. Yeah, you know, it's, t- it's small steps, isn't it, to big dreams? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. And, and you just tell yourself, if I'm going to enjoy this hobby I'm taking up or or this line of work, I mean, like with your podcast, you, you must have had to give up some things if you're going to. Yeah, I've had to give up a lot, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but you're able to do that, you know. And, yeah. And it takes a while. Like it, it took me being ADHD coached by someone else because they were able to, I just think about the now like we do and not, you know, it's now or never. And they were able to make me think future thinking, what's meaningful. And, you know, these are your options. This is right. by taking this on, you won't be able to do this and blah, you know, vice versa. And it's, that's what I think of ADHD. It's learning to pause, right? The power of the pause and actually yes. taking a step back on a lot of this stuff. And that's so alien to us. Yeah. <laughs> we're so, we're so loath to use the brakes. I know. We just floor the accelerator. And, uh, yeah. and it feels weird because I feel like, why am I not on this? You know, normally it was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I'm yeah, like, yeah. I don't know if I'm actually, am I moving fast enough or not? <laughs> or just you know, doing it differently. Learn how to cruise. You can cruise at a, a pretty fast speed, but, but you want to make sure, you know, you're not in danger. Yeah, exactly. So I have got a last little question around careers, actually, I want to ask. just a, It hasn't got to be a long answer. But I do have a lot of clients come to me and say, I have now had a realisation since my diagnosis that what I'm doing for work isn't meaningful, but I've got responsibilities. I have a family or bills to pay. I don't even know what I'd be good at. What would you say to someone who's in that situation? I'd say, let's do a little exercise together. Mm-hmm. And I'd say, I'm going to draw three circles. 
All right, the first circle, tell me what you like to do. And just name it, what you like to do. Eat hot dogs or go to baseball games or build models or, or start a business. What? Write down, just don't censor it, just write down. And once you get, say, 10 or 12 things that you like to do, okay. Now write down what you're really good at doing. What do you have a talent for? And if they say nothing, that don't accept that. They've got to come up with a few things that they... <laughs> That they have a talent for. And then you, you look and see where they overlap. And then you say, in that space where they overlap, which of those will someone pay you to do? Yeah. And when you get those three, that's gold. That's uh, all you need is one of them. You know, so you, you like to do it, you're good at doing it, and it generates an income. And, there we uh, go. And that's, you know, that's really, uh, it's easier to do that with someone. Yeah. Because you'll you'll get depressed when you think, oh, I'm not good at enough things, or you'll get overcommitted when you think of all the things you'd like to do. Yeah. And then you'll get depressed when you know they don't pay you enough to be a teacher or something. And so you you want to do it with somebody because you hundred um, percent and life is just better in, in, in connection. It comes back to connection. Definitely. You know, the the idea that you can like your job so much that you forget about the fact that you're working, you know, you, you're, you're just living, you're doing, you're producing, and there's no onerous. It's hard, yes. That's why I say the right difficult, but mm -hmm. it's got to be difficult or we lose, doesn't hold our attention. It's got to be the right in that we have some aptitude for it. We're able to make progress. And yes. that's the key. Making progress is something that is A, difficult, and B, matters to you. That is gold. That is the source of confidence, self-esteem, motivation, you name it. I mean, it, people, how do I build my confidence or how do I, it's a matter of, of finding that, find your right difficult. Exactly. And, and as you make progress, your, your self-esteem will grow accordingly. You can take all the Tony Robbins lectures in the world and Tony Robbins will give you a high for, you know, maybe a day or two. But then it peters out. It's gone. Tony Robbins, you know, specializes in pumping people up, which is great if, if you if you want to get pumped up, but it just doesn't last. No. So, so if, if you want something to last, then you've got to develop new habits in, in your life. Mm. And it's got to be, mean something to you. That's the thing. It's got to right. mean something to you, hasn't no, it? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It has to, if it doesn't mean something to you, it's just a matter of time before you're going to stop doing it. Giving it up. Yeah. 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 Thank you, because I love that, because it's a simple tool that someone can do with someone else and you can create gold there. So that's really, yeah. thank you so much for that. So I've got fire questions. These are really quick ones. So we are all about giving hope and discovering our greatness, despite the challenges we face of ADHD on this show. Mm -hmm. So how do you use your ADHD as a strength? Give him one example. How do I use it? Yeah. What's your biggest, what? what would you say your biggest ADHD strength is? Strength, writing. I have this gift uh, that I was born with. And fortunately, I've learned how to direct it. And, and you know, I've written 25 books that, you know, that most people spend a lifetime and they don't write one book, you know. So that's my, if I have a, a mm -hmm. gift, that's it, you know. And, and uh, thank God. <laughs> yeah, no, thank God. Exactly. And, and, you know, it certainly is difficult, you know, and, and I curse it all the time. Why in the world am I writing? It's so hard. It's so difficult. And I think this book sucks. Every every book I write, I go through a period where I think it's the worst book. No I've ever way. Read. Yeah. 
Your books are the best books. I'm just so glad that that's your gift because you are your books are changing the world and really changing people's lives. So I can't believe you have those thoughts. I'd never thought Ned Halliwell would. Absolutely, (laughs) I think that this is the biggest pile of poop I've ever written. And and you know and and then I pick myself off the floor and or I ask my wife, does this really suck? And she'll say, no, it's good. And uh, but yeah, there's a. A flirtation with the devil. The devil, the worst outcome is always sitting there trying to seduce me. Yeah. And, you know, me being who I am, I'm too ready to believe the worst. I'm too ready to believe it's all going to collapse. Yeah. You know? And uh, and so I require a lot of reassurance. It, it's, uh, But I know that. And so I, I, I kind of try to give back as much as I get. Yeah. Yeah. And that as well, because you found that right person for you as well, that connection to right. be that person that can help you get out of those moments as well, isn't but it? What you what you want to not do is feel ashamed that you need reassurance. For men, it's much more difficult than women. We are supposed to be supposedly, you know, self-sufficient, independent. We take care of other people. They don't take care of us. And if, if we feel insecure, we're supposed to cover it up. Mm. I do the opposite. I just say, I need some reassurance. And, uh, I love that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And people are usually very willing to give it. And that's it. We're so surprised that we think it's such a negative thing to ask someone for help, but people are yeah. so happy to help. In fact, it's just the opposite. It's not it a, is. It yeah, really is. That, that I'm confident enough that I can take the risk of showing that I'm insecure in certain areas. Yeah, vulnerability. People really yeah, want to see that, don't exactly, they? Exactly. Mm. Beware of particularly men who uh, come across as if they're masters of the universe and, and you know, in, uh, omnipotent and in, not vulnerable. And and that's another thing. We ADDers, we hate hypocrisy. Mm. We hate people who, who uh, uh, and we can spot it a mile away. Yeah, we're so intuitive to it. For some reason, we just have an aversion to people who want to bs us you know and and uh we just can't stand it so no. and, and we called them out yeah i've gotten into trouble a few times with that <laughs> <laughs> yeah i always say we can tell if someone's inauthentic straight away it's yes, like we're absolutely. just not having any of it <laughs> exactly 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 um what gives you strength during your most challenging days oh connection no doubt about it you know, it, it could be from my dog. Well, my son has taken my dog away. But my dog was a reliable source of strength. Mm-hmm. God, you know, I happen to believe in God. And, and you know, God, I'll call on God. I'll say, help me now. You know, I need your help. And he usually does. You know, it, it's a, a, I'm, a, I'm in a distinct minority living where I do. Most of my friends think God is a fairy tale, you know, that, that and they say, Nib, what do you believe in fairy tales for? This is a myth. Clearly, there's no God. Look at all the horrors in the world. Mm-hmm. And, and I say to them, well, do you believe in love? And they'll all say, yes, everyone believes in the power of love. And I say, well, God is love. So mm-hmm. wherever you find love, you find God. Mm-hmm. That, that they usually will say, okay, so it's just a matter of reframing it, you know. Because everyone believes in love. You know, it says it right there in the book of John, God is love. God is love. Yeah. And it's the beauty of that is it's so simple and profound. Mm. You don't have to 
have a debate over it. You don't have to analyze it. You know, you can just, or like with my kids, when I had kids, you know, then it became so clear. All I had to do was look into their eyes. Then it became clear. So when I feel gloomy and at the end of my rope, I try to remind myself that this will pass and I try to find something. Now, the problem is when you're feeling that way, nothing looks appealing, nothing, you know, and so you're, and if people try to help you, you tend to push them away. We become inconsolable. You want to try to overrule that part of you. There is a, Keith says a phrase, half in in love with easeful death. There's a part of most of us that's half in love with easeful death, you know, and and you, you just don't want to let that part grow and swell. The death instinct is not a good one to honor. No. Uh, the, the life instinct is so wonderful. It is. What one word would you describe living with ADHD as? Fascinating. Unpredictable. Love that. Unpredictable. You never know what's going to happen. <laughs> you don't. Uh, yeah, yeah, surprising. It's an ongoing three-ring circus. That we, you know, we, we never know what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, you know, once you learn a few stabilizing techniques, and one of them might be medication, then it's, it's a trip. You know, I mean, it, it, you're never bored. No. You're, you're always able to make things happen. And we tend to be very giving. We tend to be very generous. And you know, it is true in giving we receive. So, so we're, we're usually, we're usually well supplied with, with emotional supplies, you know? Yeah. I love that. It's a circus. That is, that's a word that's not been used on here before, but it is, it is like a. What's the word that's been used? Circus. I I like that. I really like that. Yeah. Oh, the the ADD circus. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Maybe we should create one. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, we have elephants and tigers and. Uh, yeah. And, yeah, 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 yeah. I love that. Lots yeah. of colors, lots of music. Yeah, exactly yeah, exactly yeah. what our brain would love. Exactly. We, <laughs> we, 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 and we create a circus in our mind all the time. You know, yeah. Our resting state is making things up. It's like a popcorn machine. Our brain is like pop, 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 new ideas all the time, just constantly popping. Yeah. The other people can't, can't imagine what's it like to live like that. I know. It must be so hard. I say, no, it's not. But you, you do have to learn, you know, some ways of offloading your new ideas and you don't want to over-invest in them. You know, so there's some yeah. questions you need to take. But that's what I mean by calling it a gift. You have to learn to unwrap the gift. And it exactly. doesn't unwrap itself, yeah. But this is why I think diagnosis is just so important because until you know that is what's happening, I think that's when it's a curse. I think once you know, and then you start to manage it, then it can be your biggest gift, like you always say. And I think that's the main takeaway, right? If you don't know that it's ADD, well, it used to be called bad, you know. Did it? it? Bad? Well, you know, a century ago, these kids were were given a moral diagnosis. Yeah. And then they were beaten. I mean, these are the battered children throughout history. They were judged as, as weak and the devil was in them. Some of them were put to death, you know, and, and, oh my God. and the parents were supposed to beat the devil out of the child. It was really uh, horrible. And so, but when we began to realize that there's more to human behavior, 
you know, you think of uh, behavior and emotion and thought. Uh, there's more to that than willpower, because that's mm-hmm. what the moral model says. It's all a matter of willpower. If you try hard enough, you can do it. Well, telling someone to try harder who's depressed, it's just not going to work. No, I mean, They'll try, but it's like, you know, telling someone to cheer up. It's like telling someone who's nearsighted to squint harder. You know, there's this thing called eyeglasses. It's much better. And so it, it was huge when we got over the moral diagnosis. There's still some people who invoke it. Your country is famous for a stiff upper lip, you know. And, yeah. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, so uh, it's still out there, but it, it it did horrible damage, you know, that the moral model and that you solve everything by strength of will, character, character. Yeah. Where's your favorite character who would be opposed to that, but but thinking that it is omnipotent, it, it's just wrong again. Mm. And it's placing a burden on folks that they can't possibly carry. So along comes the ADD diagnosis. And by the way, I learned about this in 1981. And back then, the average person would scoff at this diagnosis. They would say, what nonsense. This is just an excuse to have lazy kids get out of doing work. You know, so so much as depression, you know, it went through a long time where people wouldn't recognize depression. They would say, just cheer up. And if you can't, we'll, you know, torture you. <laughs> yeah. Because we don't like, you know, we don't like uh, uh, unhappy people to be in our midst. No. And even though depression is another one of those conditions that's associated with genius, that's associated with tremendous creativity. There's something about creativity. You have to pay quite a price to have it, whether it's ADD or, or depression or bipolar disorder or addiction or all of the above, you know, you you, uh, you have to pay a price to be to be creative. And, and it's because it's your mind is forever playing tricks and some of them are not very nice. No, yeah. I couldn't agree more. And I remember you talking about in one of your books, The Creative Glitch, and that really rung true to me when I remember reading that part of your book mm-hmm. and all the people that I know are creative, you know. So that speaks really true to those who have that creative flair, I think. You, but you want to keep looking. I I came up with a phrase the other day, find the lock into which your key fits. Mm. There's a lock out there that your key is made for. Yeah. You found it. That could apply to love and romance or it can apply to work. And, you know, you know there, there's a lock out there that your key fits and, and don't give up until you've found it. <gasps> I love that. And that was going to be one of our questions, your quote, your favorite quote at the moment. And I think that's perfect for this conversation. Ned, this has just been such a pleasure. Honestly, I could talk to you forever. And I'm so grateful that this has happened. From the day I started this podcast, you were my dream guest. And I just want to ask you to just share any last words that someone, you know, who might be struggling now, they might be newly diagnosed or in that midst of going through a really hard time with their ADHD. What's your last words of encouragement to them right now? Well, I'll invoke your great Winston Churchill and and say, never give up. Even when you have no reason to keep on, keep on. The way you can get the motivation to do that is my other mantra, never worry alone. So if you're at the end of your rope, just find someone else and tell them about it. And the next thing you know, you'll be problem solving. Worrying alone is despairogenic, you know. Worrying with someone, you quickly 
get into problem solving. Yeah. And and so I you just beware of solitude when you're feeling depressed. That's when bad things happen. Yeah. A problem shared is a problem halved. I think that's what they say, don't they? Yes, yes. That's mm. great. Yeah. yeah. And I just want to end this conversation. I don't normally do this, but I really want to express my thanks, not just for me, but for all the people in this world that you are helping in our community because you have changed and saved lives by writing your wonderful books and doing all the amazing things you do and have enabled us to see ADHD as not just a challenge and a struggle, which it can be, but as our very special strength. So I will always have such huge thanks for thank all the work you've done thank you well thank, thank you, you for the work you're doing and and good for you for stepping up and trying to make it happen and making it happen that, yeah. that's wonderful thank that's you wonderful. and where can people find you or we can share the links obviously in the link in uh, the bio and stuff drhallowell.com and then uh with john mcguire we've created a program that they can access hallowell brain health we've created this program that's multimodal and multifaceted. And then, of course, there's all my books. And- yes, your amazing books. So your new one, ADHD Explained, is available on Audible, because I've listened to it there, yeah, but also yeah. actual physical book with the pictures. And- yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This has been lovely. Oh, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to Untangled. I hope you find these podcasts as useful as I do. I always leave feeling so inspired and like I've learned so much about my ADHD. Let's get untangled and show the world what we are made of. Welcome to my world, nice to meet you, wish you well Forgot your name before you said it, cause my mind was somewhere else And it ain't because I'm rude, I'm just genuinely confused I'm always caught up in my feelings, trying to navigate my mood See when they call it a disorder, I think that's out of order My strength and power's paying far too much attention than I ought to Maybe my version of peace to someone else looks like a shambles These cross wires I can handle, they're trying to be me, but untangled